Welcome back to Bible Bulletin, everyone. I am your host, Jonathan Kegabon. Today, we're talking about stranger danger on Bible Bulletin. Praise the Lord, everybody. Welcome back to Bible Bulletin. I'm so excited that you're here. I'm glad that you're so faithful to listening, learning from the Lord, from the Bible. We always go to the Bible. We get all of our content from the Bible. That's what makes it easier to produce this content is because the Bible just keeps revealing more and more, and uh, God does through his word. And the way it's supposed to work is that Bible is not just any old book. It's an organic book. It is the Word, amen, with the Spirit that creates a a living document that, that comes alive in your life and changes you and those around you. The Bible is uh, the greatest book ever written, the greatest uh, series of books ever written, greatest library of written information on the planet and so glad that God allowed us to have his word. He is so very good to us, and I'm so excited to bring this episode to you today. I'm going to talk about something that uh, came to me while I was in my reading. There are um, different ways that I get biblical intake as far as my Bible study. One is that I study it. I study it and the Lord talks to me and I'll go here and there and we'll chase a thought or a concept or an idea, a question that needs an answer, those types of things. That's my favorite way to read it. But I know that that's not possible or it's not as effective if I don't have just intake. I need biblical intake. So I read it from start to finish That's one way that I read it, and another way that I read it is that I read it, as I said before, I'm chasing uh, chasing after God. I'm just pursuing him through the word, and um, and, uh, so today I was listening to the Bible on – through my phone – in the vehicle, and I came across Numbers chapter 3, and I heard something inside of Numbers chapter 3. Actually, uh, I heard it a couple times, and I remembered hearing it in Numbers chapter 1. And I thought, you know, I want to look into this. And uh, I, I just want I want to look into it, but I also want to share what I believe the Lord is telling us in these verses. So let's go into the Word of God. How about it? Let's open up our Bibles into Numbers chapter 1 and verse 51. It says in Numbers chapter 1 and verse 51 in the King James Version Bible, uh, and when the tabernacle setteth forward, the Levites shall take it down. And when the tabernacle is to be pitched, the Levites shall set it up. You would think that's the end of a sentence, the beginning of a new sentence, but no, there is a colon mark. And this is how the sentence goes after the colon mark. And the stranger that cometh nigh shall be put to death. So when I hear that, and then I read that, and I see how it is written, 
we understand that the old English, some of the uh, grammar has changed over the years. This is not normally how we would use a colon mark uh, today. Um, it's, it's not incorrect. It's not wrong. But we see in that that this is part of the same sentence. The Levites will take it down when it's time to take down the tabernacle, to move it. And when it's time to set it up, the Levites will set it up. And the stranger that cometh nigh shall be put to death. And that was what I'd heard in Numbers chapter 1. And you see the same thing, um, kind of a heavy subject, right? You're listening to this and you read read that verse and you, you see that line that the stranger that comes nigh shall be put to death. And you think, boy, the old stranger, hopefully somebody is there to tell the stranger, hey, (laughs) don't go to this area. Don't go near or nigh unto the Levites when they're setting up the tabernacle, when they're taking down the tabernacle, when they're moving the tabernacle, when they're, in other words, when they're transporting the tabernacle, don't go nigh to the tabernacle or the Levites that are carrying it. Because if you go nigh, you'll be put to death. And and you imagine that that hopefully there were no exceptions to this because when a stranger comes through the land, hey, your life is in danger. Not because we have these devouring beasts over here that can grab you. You know, when I was in Arizona, there's a part um, of Arizona called Gila Bend. And when you get over there, there's these Gila monsters. And um, it's not really monsters. They're just oversized lizards. And and they have, um, I believe, and, and forgive me if I'm wrong, but I believe that they didn't necessarily have a, a venom, but their teeth were so filled with this nasty bacteria that if they bit you, you could, you could lose tissue um, from the bacteria, depending on how fast you got treated. And so the what you wanted to do is to not get bit by a Gila monster. And um, so when we got over there, part of our safety training was to learn about these Gila monsters and to learn about the local rattlesnakes and what to look for, and this, that, and another. When you're a stranger and you come into a new area, people need to be warning you uh, about the dangers ahead. So you imagine, goodness, what if they didn't warn a guy, you know? And and you think, um, God, this seems a little harsh, you know? This seems a little tough. And you see it again in Numbers chapter 3, in verse 10, he said, And thou shalt appoint Aaron and his sons, and they shall wait on their priest's office. And the stranger that cometh nigh shall be put to death. So now you can't come near the Levites who are taking down the tabernacle, transporting the tabernacle, and putting back up the tabernacle. You also can't come nigh to Aaron and his sons. If you're a stranger, and if you're a stranger, in verse 38 of chapter 3 it says, But those that encamp before the tabernacle toward the east, even before the tabernacle of the congregation eastward, shall be Moses and Aaron and his sons keeping the charge of the sanctuary for the charge of the children of Israel. This one is a semicolon, and it says, And the stranger that cometh nigh shall be put to death. 
Well, that seems important that you're you're telling me that here's the function of transporting the tabernacle. It must be the Levites. And the Levites that are in charge of doing that, they got they have to be the ones taking it down. They have to be the ones transporting it. They have to be the ones putting it up. And another important thing is that uh, if a stranger comes close to them, he's got to be put to death. Then you get to Aaron and his sons. If a stranger comes close to them, they got to be put to death. It doesn't even seem like in the beginning of the sentence that that was the point, but it ends with that being one of the main points of the whole sentence, the verse and the sentence itself. Sometimes sentences run on into different into the next verse or so. But in this case, you see a complete sentence, including if a stranger comes by, you got to kill him. So very interesting. Um, Moses, Aaron, his sons, those that keep charge of the sanctuary, if a stranger comes by, they got to be put to death. And uh, I know I'm belaboring the point here, but I'm trying to trying to make this this point clear that. It was important to God that a stranger not come close to the holy things. You find that as well in, in one of the wordings in Numbers where he's talking about those holy things. Maybe even in Leviticus when he's talking about those holy things and how the stranger could not come close to the holy things. It could not come nigh to the holy things. In Numbers chapter 18, and verse 7, we're still in Numbers. We went from chapter 1, chapter 3, now we're chapter 18 and verse 7. Therefore thou and thy sons with thee shall keep your priest's office for everything of the altar and within the veil, and ye shall serve. I have given your priest's office unto you as a service of gift. So the priests serving were gifts to the people. I remember some gifts in the New Testament, apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, pastors. These servants were gifts to children of Israel. And here goes that colon mark again with this line, and the stranger that cometh nigh shall be put to death. This is uh, incredible. Leviticus 22 and 10, that's where I was getting it from. Leviticus 22 and 10, and there shall no stranger eat of the holy thing. A, a sojourner of the priest or an hired servant shall not eat of the holy thing. There were holy things, there were consecrated things that the stranger could not, should not, would not touch. The children of Israel were to kill them if they came nigh to the holy things. So, if they come close to the holy things, the children of Israel had to put them to death to keep them from touching the holy things and the holy men and the, the things that were anointed and consecrated unto God. Those holy things, holy animals, holy instruments, things that were considered holy because of the presence of God and the purpose of God, they were considered holy, they were called holy, and it was told very clear and very plainly that a, that a a stranger couldn't even come close to those holy things. And if they did, they would be put to death. Now, I ask you this. Somebody show me where the Bible says how close nigh is. You put the stranger that comes nigh to these holy things to death. 
Where is nigh? Where is that line? Where is that border? Where is, what's the standard here, God? What really is the standard that you're trying to set forth, God? We want to know, Lord, what is the standard? And he doesn't answer that question. He leaves it up to you. You are in charge to make sure that these strangers don't come close to the holy things. I'm not going to tell you how close close is. It's up to you to figure that out. First of all, if you cross God's line of close, you have trespassed against God. But if the stranger were to touch those holy things, then you, for allowing him, would also be put to death The wages of sin here is death. And if your stranger was a friend of yours and you allowed him to come too close or you allowed him to touch the the holy things, he's going to be put to death. You're going to be put to death Mm. for allowing him to touch the holy things. So it was up to you to draw a line way ahead. People think that because I'm a conservative, apostolic, Pentecostal, I do practice and believe in the practice of holiness, which is just living holy unto the Lord. God is what has washed. He is who has washed me. His blood is what has washed me and made me holy. And his Holy Ghost fire on the inside has baptized the inside of me and made me holy on the inside. It is now up to me to draw lines somewhere out there that allow me to stay holy, allow me to stay holy. In other words, let's make it plain. Let's make it plain. If I'm constantly flipping through YouTube reels or Facebook clips, uh, Facebook reels, YouTube shorts, Instagram reels, I think I'm naming those right. And whatever is on X that used to be Twitter, these short clip videos, and I'm just scrolling through. And I don't I don't mind that there's one girl here who is improperly dressed and dancing provocatively. And I look for a couple more seconds. And then I flip again and I look again and I flip again and I look again and I flip again and I look again. If I don't have some sort of standard that keeps me from seeing that over and over and over again or keeps me from looking at something like that too long, then that will start to get in my mind and it will trespass against the mind of Christ. I'm supposed to have the mind of Christ. I can't allow these evil things through the eye gates and the ear gates. I cannot allow that into the heart that belongs to God. This is a holy temple. What? Know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? Well, if you're the temple of the Holy Ghost, then you know you have to keep that thing holy and no stranger should touch it. Now, understand that there should be kindness to the stranger who sojourns in your land. There is kindness that you extend. But he says even the even a, a sojourner of the priest or a hired servant could not eat of the holy thing. That belonged to the consecrated. That belonged to the committed. That belonged to the holy. 
and that did not belong to the stranger. So this is not a scripture trying to tell us that, oh, we're holy and we despise those who are not holy. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You were nothing before you found God. You were absolute garbage trash. I heard people say, when I was in the world, I wasn't crazy. I was slapped, tore up crazy when I was in the world. I was a horrible, wretched, dirty, nasty, stinking sinner when I was in the world. God had to wash me, and he had to wash me good. He washed away my record when I was baptized in Jesus' name in the water, and he washed away the inside when I was baptized in Jesus' name with the Holy Ghost on the inside, the Holy Ghost and fire. When I say baptized in Jesus' name, I'll specify I was baptized in Jesus' name in the water, but I was also baptized in Jesus' name in the Holy Ghost and fire. Praise God. He put his name in me. We are sealed. That's He signed his name on the inside of my heart. We are sealed unto the day of redemption. And let me also straighten something else there. People say, man, when you, uh, when you receive Jesus in your heart, you have received the Holy Ghost in your heart. Now all of a sudden you want to sound oneness. <laughs> when you receive Jesus into your heart, you receive the Holy Ghost in your heart, and you're sealed until the day of redemption. You have misquoted it. It says unto the day of redemption. You're signed unto the day of redemption, but you can revoke that signature because you can neglect the contract. You can negate the contract by your actions. So you want to stay, you want to stay full of the Holy Ghost and sealed unto the day of redemption. Not it's not that you're sealed unto in until the day. And you could just, oh, well, praise God. I, I received Jesus Christ into my heart. Now I can just get stone cold drunk. I can cheat on my wife. I can go lay around with other men, and I can do all kind of stuff now. No, that's horrible, terrible, false doctrine. You are trampling grace underfoot when you do things like that. We are to sin no more. The stranger must die. I want to take you to Colossians chapter 1, verse 21, so I can really clear this up. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Woo, glory. I thank God for that word of reconciliation. I thank God for this dispensation of grace. And that word of reconciliation that God gave us, praise God, he has reconciled us. But before we were alienated, meaning we were aliens to God, we were strangers to God. The gospel is this, that Jesus Christ died and he was buried in the grave and he rose again. And the obedience of that gospel, we follow his gospel by following him into his death by repenting. The old man must die. The stranger that we were must die. Do you know that in the Old Testament, the stranger were the Gentiles? You Gentiles out there, almost everybody under the sound of my voice was a, is a Gentile, was a Gentile. Even if you or some-blooded Jew, you probably ain't full-blooded Jew. You probably got some Gentile in you too. <laughs> Amen. We were all strangers. 
We were all Gentiles. We were all sinners. We were all alienated from God because of the wickedness in our life and in our heart. We were wicked. We were born into sin and shaping into iniquity. We were wicked. We were terrible. We were horrible because we didn't live for God. But God reached out and drew us unto repentance. And we repented and we slew the old stranger. We killed the stranger. And we slew him on the altar. That old man, the old man is dead. We buried the old man. The Bible says that we are buried with him in baptism. It tells us that in Colossians chapter 1. We are buried with him in baptism. We are buried with who? Jesus Christ. We follow Jesus into his death by killing the old man. The desires and the will of the old man has to die. Paul said, I die daily. He had to do this every day. We have to do this every day. We have to die to the old man. The stranger can't come nigh. So how much like the old man do you want to be? How close to the old man do you want to be? That's the point here. This is the preach that I'm preaching right now. How close? nigh, how close do you want to be to the old man, to the stranger? Oh, don't be alienated from God. You know what God told people who said, didn't I do this in your name? Didn't I do that in your name? Didn't I do all these great and wonderful works in your name? He said, depart from me. I never knew you. You were a stranger to me because of your wickedness. He said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. It's all about once you get born again, are you going to do the works of the Spirit? Are you going to try to win souls? Are you going to try to benefit your church? Are you going to try to support your pastor and your ministry team and try to move the gospel forward into until everybody hears the truth? Or are you just going to be kind of halfway tied to the old man? Don't let the stranger touch the holy thing. Keep it holy. The verse says, be ye holy for I am holy. You got to draw some lines somewhere. You got to have a standard somewhere. The Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord would raise up a standard against him. Standards are not cuss words. Standards are not by words that we shouldn't use as modern day 2023 Pentecostal apostolic people. Holiness is not a cuss word. It's over and over and over again in the Bible. We worship him with holiness unto the Lord. It's not holiness unto my own righteousness. It's not holiness of my own, but it's holiness unto God. It is a gift to God. It is our it is our um attempts at paying the debts that we owe God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because every day we pray. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. We know we're coming from way behind and we'll never catch up, but we're doing the best we can. We're striving toward the mark of perfection. It's a striving. It's a pushing because we're always going uphill. We owe him so much. He's been so very good to us, and we owe him so much. The least we can do. It is our reasonable service to be a living sacrifice unto God. It is our reasonable service to live a life of holiness unto the Lord. It's not too hard. You, 
The problem is, is you're too connected to the stranger, to the old you. You got to kill the old you. We're not talking about suicide. We're talking about kill off the old man, kill off the old ways, the old desires. When you leave Egypt, you got to leave Egypt behind. You got to leave Egypt's ways behind. You go through the wilderness of sin and into the water and into the cloud and get baptized in the water and baptized into his presence, the Holy Ghost. Let him baptize the inside of your heart. Let him let his glory fill your heart of hearts and let it become the holy of holies. I think Peter said the holiest of all is what he called it. When you get the Holy Ghost on the inside of you, that's the holiest of all. Praise God. Well, I think I've made this clear. We can't let the old man come nigh to the holy things. And if God has washed you and he has cleansed you, if he if you've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, assuming you've repented, if you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, you had to have repented because he won't fill you with the Holy Ghost until you do. Because you got to present a vessel that's unto him and no longer unto the world. When God fills you with the Holy Ghost, it is your job from then on to keep the holy things holy. And don't let the stranger come nigh. Don't let the old you, the old man, the strange man, and the strange ways and strange fire, don't let that come nigh to the holy things. God bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. 